Hello and welcome to the AJ on the Line podcast. You join me, Adam Williams, with my usual guests, Jimmy and Joe. They're not guests anymore. They're, they're, they're part of the show. They're part of the fabric of this thing. And there are many things going on in the world right now that aren't good um, with an evil man taking control or trying to take control of a country. Our thoughts primarily are, well, I don't want to speak on behalf of Jimmy and Joe, but I'm sure they'd agree that our thoughts are primarily with the people of Ukraine um, and anyone linked to the suffering that is going on over there. There's also people in Russia protesting, being thrown in prisons. Feel sorry for them because Russia's getting dragged through it. It's their government. It's Putin. Um, we're going to be talking about the politics of sport as well as other things in this episode. Uh, given that us three met, uh, well, doing politics and talking about sports so it kind of makes sense like, like i said again our thoughts are with ukraine slava ukraine um how are you both doing jimmy and joe very well thank you yeah watching things unfold isn't very nice these days and turning on the television but yeah good thank you yeah it's it's not nice is it? and it's it's constant what about you joe yeah i mean obviously outside of that situation i'm fine so that's good but you know yeah it's it's tough isn't it but we do have a lot of proof to say that politics and sport are together i know a lot of people including nikita mazepin uh claim that politics and sport should stay separate but they are interwoven and we're going to talk a little bit about that in this episode as well as some other bits of news now earlier this week the international olympic committee they called upon other sports organisations after being a little bit here and there themselves to not allow Russian and Belarusian athletes to take place or to take part, sorry, in sport and to make sure that Russia and Belarus didn't host any sporting events. It's the right decision, isn't it? I think certainly with regards to hosting, definitely the definitely the right decision. I think the, there's a slightly greyer area in terms of uh, competing athletes but in terms of you know I'm very glad that the Russian Grand Prix contract's been cancelled they won't be uh, making any money out of that kind of thing so I think that's that's good uh yeah definitely the Ru we're already crossing into Formula One the Russian Grand Prix that was primarily um organized by Putin it was something that he was very much behind and it was the last year in Sochi before they went to St. Petersburg, which is, of, of course, where Putin's from. And that would have given him even more mm -hmm. uh, street cred's not the right word, but, but, <laughs> but you know, like a, a reason to uh, look powerful on the world and, and a way that would encourage the West or Western people looking in to think, actually, Russia's not such a bad place, but also the Russian people to feel proud of their country do you think that there are other ways of going about it or uh, what what's your view on um, athletes whether they should be involved in in sport jimmy 
from Russia, that is. Yeah, well, in terms of uh, the Paralympics, um, I can both sort of see both sides of the coin. So on one side, you've got Russia and Belarus. Uh, their athletes are competing in there from Russia and, and Belarus. So from that point of view, they maybe shouldn't be competing. Um, however, I do feel slightly sorry for the athletes because they haven't really done much at all. They've just been Russian or Belarusian. And they're have, they basically work their way up to for every four years going to these Olympics uh, and to have it pulled away from them it is a real shame because it's not their fault however it would just need to show and send a, a clear message to to Russia that and Belarus that it's not right what they're doing and that's probably the right thing to do to be honest yeah it's all, it's almost cutting them off like uh, the, the the rest of the world have almost completely cut off North Korea haven't they and they're suffering and, and don't have as much of an impact on the world. Um, there's the occasional threat when they run out of money. Um, but other than that, they've been cut off. And you can see, hopefully, Russia going in that direction if, uh, by being kicked away. But with all of these events, and I, I feel that this is probably why, or this is definitely why athletes and teams from Russia and Belarus are being excluded from these games the banal nationalism behind it even if their flags aren't there people know where they're from and those reminders reinforce the 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 ideas that the idea that russia is there russia is powerful russia is good at this sport and must be a, a, a good country in general look at the the way the the chinese allegedly told putin to hold off on the invasion of ukraine so that they could get their Winter Olympics done and dusted. There's a reason for that. They wanted to make sure that they had their their moment in the sun and, and to promote their own uh, nationalism, if you like, or national pride, or, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, there's a lot of power behind it. But is it going to help in terms of the situation now? Or do you think that this is just... A, one of many fronts uh, on which the West can get involved without starting an explosive war that, that will happen if uh, more troops go in from other countries. Yeah, so definitely I, I agree that, you know, troops shouldn't go into Ukraine because that would spark World War Three and just escalate situations. So the best way of dealing with things is to uh, do sanctions, cut them off from the rest of the world almost, and to sort of not create unrest but hurt people that are close to Putin so the oligarchs and those sorts of things um, and another thing with Russia is and China to a certain extent is they pump a lot of money into their uh, athletics and sport because it makes them look good uh, I think that the Russian Grand Prix was sponsored by VTB that's a Russian owned state bank yeah um, so yeah I think the biggest I think yeah it's massive um, so I think it is the right thing to do the one thing that's slightly a shame is that Formula 1 didn't use stronger language in their statement uh, when they initially um, sort of cancelled the, the, the Russian Grand Prix yeah it, it left the door open for it potentially coming back later in the year if things changed uh, obviously since then They've, they've made a decision. I wonder if that was just a legal way that they had to word it, uh, looking back, because I, I agree with you. It wasn't the right wording in terms of the, uh, the, the, the outside PR. But, 
Yeah, I, I wonder if that was a legal thing. Um, we've had a statement a few days ago come from the FIA and it looks like they are going to allow Russian and Belarusian athletes to compete, but not under their flag. Instead, the FIA flag, the, the, the things that, or the barriers stopping Russian athletes competing in motorsport, they're ever increasing, aren't they? With, with the likes of Motorsport UK saying that, well, we're not going to let russian or belarusian athletes compete in the uk so nikita mazapin for example were he to stay in f1 he couldn't do the british grand prix you'd imagine more countries would follow suit there joe wouldn't you yeah i think they will i think a lot of european countries will likely enforce similar bans um whether that's fair or not up for debate um but i mean as you said earlier i think it's about western countries trying to do as much as they can without really doing anything um which you know obviously the right way to go about it without escalation you know without trying to escalate things um whether you know putin really cares that nikita mazapin won't be driving the british grand prix um is you know i'm not too sure that he does but there we go. However, Jimmy did mention oligarchs, and to a certain extent, Nikita Mazepin's dad is an oligarch. Yeah. Uh, he, he was one of the business people called to the meeting with Putin uh, last Friday, I think it was. Mm -hmm. And his company, I can't pronounce it, is it Ukraine or something? Yeah. Petrochemical Company. Uh, I, thought, I, thought I thought it was Uralkali, but. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's how I read it when it's on the car. Um, but I don't know, to be honest. Your alkali, yeah, it sounds more correct because, yeah, it's actually quite a clever name. But they are the title sponsor of Haas F1 team, or they were until they mm -hmm. were removed. And you would imagine that that kind of, that kind of exposure um, Putin would have loved yeah it, it was it was something that was good for him mm -hmm. um but speaking about oligarchs roman abranovich he has been making headlines throughout this week uh in fact the leader of the opposition in houses of parliament he stood up and and said why why hasn't he been sanctioned to uh, the uk prime minister boris johnson why hasn't he and if he is is that going to make a difference and the the big thing is also Chelsea. That's his. That's the club that he owns. What's going to be the effect there? I know there's a lot to unpack. Jimmy, what are your thoughts initially on Roman Abramovich? Um, I'm not sure about why they've sort of sanctioned other oligarchs first and not him. Um, maybe there's some sort of laws which need to be worked through. Um, I'm not a particular expert on the UK constitution, but it's a bit of a fickle thing. I think it's not sort of. It's got lots of quirks. I would say, um, but don't take my word on that. Um, so maybe there's some sort of hold up um, from that perspective. Um, but it looks to me like uh, Russian oligarchs are selling a lot of their assets in the UK while they're still free and they can sell them before they're seized. Hence why Roman Abramovich is selling his club. I don't know, is it worth six billion, I think, or not? Uh, three, three billion, billion, I believe he's put it up. For sale for it's yeah it's almost like he wants to 
move his assets or money elsewhere. Yeah. However, he has said that he is trying to get involved in peace talks with Ukraine and all of the profits from the sale will go to charity. Do you buy that for a second, Joe? Well, I'm slightly more cynical than James and think that, you know, the reason sanctions haven't come in is because there's a lot of Russian money in British politics. Um, But there we go. Um, uh, (laughs) Look, it's obviously a nice gesture trying to get involved in sort of peace talks and the charitable donations, but it's not like he's short of money, is it? And Well, he might be. Depends how much money he needs, to be honest. Mm, But... I mean, yeah, he, uh, it's not like he's short of money. It's a, you know, I'm quite cynical and it's a bit of a PR exercise in, uh, my opinion, but you know. The one theory I have got is there's a, if there's a lot of Russian money in the UK, uh, obviously there is, especially in London, in Belgrade <laughs> and other parts, wealthy parts of London, um, the government might be worried about mass sell-off of assets, which will just plunge the the property market in London um, into disarray. What a nightmare! I understand. People might be able to afford houses. What a nightmare! Can you imagine <laughs> the horror? I understand that. That's all I'm saying. I don't. I'm not saying if it's right or wrong. Potentially, the government have got that an eye on that because it won't look good if that happens. Um, so yeah. It's quite difficult. Um, I've heard that a lot of Russian oligarchs are now buying watches and luxury uh, items that hold their value more than the Russian ruble as well. Um, Well, I asked Siri the other day what the ruble was, and it said it was one penny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's that's what it's worth. It's terrible. Um, Let's move back into sport a little bit. Um, What would the sale of Chelsea Football Club mean to... English football in general. Joe, you're our football expert. Um, Well, hopefully it means they become rubbish and Wolves take their place as one of the uh, top clubs in England. However, more realistically, I think they'll be fine. I mean, it's not like they're going to... I mean, anyone that can afford to buy Chelsea is going to be able to invest funds into the club and that kind of thing. They've got a squad worth billions that, you know, worst case scenario, they can sell and buy more players with so I don't think they're in any trouble from a footballing perspective um I'm not really sure though how sort of how it will pan out in the long term maybe well there has been talk since the Super League and that big idea Mm -hmm. about putting more uh red tape in place to ensure that the owners of football clubs are suitable owners and yeah that there's a lot of calls for, uh, especially from Amnesty International, to make sure that owners aren't linked to any human rights violations. Now, that puts Newcastle United at risk, given mm-hmm. that it's owned by the Saudi Arabian government. Um, so it, it really doesn't come as any surprise when one of the co-owners of Newcastle United said that it's a little bit unfair uh, if... Roman Abramovich gets sanctioned. Do you think that other clubs will be, or, or the owners of other clubs will be getting nervous? It's it's an awkward because I can see where she's coming from. In that, 
a lot of clubs are owned by, however tenuous the links may be, links to countries with um, poor human rights records. I mean, there's a lot of Chinese-owned clubs, um, you know, and Saudi Arabian-owned clubs, stuff like that. Um, So I can sort of see where she's coming from. But at the end of the day, um, I do think that the FA does have a responsibility to make sure that the people that own clubs are able, you know, aren't linked to these kind of things. But how much power they have to do so, I don't know. Well, if they don't have power, who has power in Mm. football? (laughs) They're in charge of football in in England. Who else? What they have done is that they've said that they're not going to be playing Russia anytime soon, and I suspect Belarus will be yeah. involved in that. It's just Belarus don't play England that much. Um, I don't. I don't really know the last time I heard of them playing a football match. I don't think it's their sport, really. <clears throat> um, the The result of Abramovic buying Chelsea saw wages skyrocketing and and the price of players skyrocketing and the involvement in other very rich owners from from other parts of the world it has changed english football mm-hmm. for forever hasn't it his involvement whether whether you like it or not yeah i mean you could argue to what extent that's him and to what extent that's the formation of the premier league um but it's certainly not a change that's going away anytime soon um so yeah, I, I certainly agree that he's had a major impact on that kind of thing. So I do wonder if he will actually get sanctioned or not in time, because there at the time of speaking, there have been I believe three uh, bids come in already for the club. Now, if it was me, I I don't have three billion pounds to spend on a football club, but if it was me, I wouldn't feel comfortable given giving someone who I know has had a dodgy past, who I know has links to the Russian government, giving them some money in a time where they kind of need some money. You're going to get stuck in a web at some point doing that sort of thing. So someone's, well, some people have thought that, that that's a risk worth taking, but for me it wouldn't. Um, well, it's a good job that not everyone thinks like me, I suppose. I'm sure there is a billionaire out there which will be more than happy to take on Chelsea, to be honest. There's always somebody out there who's willing to pay. They might get a bargain. Well, yeah, it's it's a buyer's market, isn't it? Yeah. Nikita Mazepin looks like he's going to leave Formula One. You're, you're, we're already getting reports from Sky Germany and Build magazine. Is he definitely going to leave? And who do you reckon is going to take his place, Jimmy? at Haas F1. If there are countries out there which start um, um, making it so Russian citizens can't come in their country, so revoking their visas, um, it will obviously become untenable for Nikita Mazepin to uh, be in Formula 1, which is a global sport. Um, So in that case, he probably has to go. Um, I'd quite fancy Schwartzman to go to uh, Haas, potentially. But he's Russian. Oh, is he? Maybe not, then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. You you've had your chance, Joe. Who's going to who's going to join us? Um, <laughs> I think it will. Fr- <laughs> could I say a different? I think could, it- I, could I say Piastri instead? I think Piastri might go to Haas. 
So Piastri's management have actually ruled that out already. Oh, right. um, uh. There's there's been a lot of talk about Fittipaldi. It's going to be Fittipaldi, yeah. Um, you say that, however, Build is reporting that Fittipaldi has been overtaken as the favourite uh, by the Italian man that looks like Jesus. His name's Antonio Giovinazzi. Yeah, I mean, I still think it'll be Fittipaldi. Um, he's going to bring in a load of money from Brazil, isn't he? Yep. Um, and obviously he's got experience in the team. He didn't do too badly when he uh, when he came in for that uh, race at the end of the season. Was it two races at the end of the season? I can't remember whether he, he only finished. Did. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know. Um, but on the other hand, you know, if, if you're one of those people that wants Nikita Mazepin out on driving merits... Um, Fittipaldi is, by all accounts, not that much of an improvement, particularly on pace. So, you know... At least he hasn't groped a woman and recorded it and put it on his social mm-hmm. media. Yeah, but as I say, on driving merits, it's yes. not much of yes. an improvement. Yes. Um, so... But I do think it is likely to be Fittipaldi. I mean, it's, mean? A, it's, a, it's a heck of a... Sounding lineup and it's Schumacher and Fittipaldi. Um, but, wow, yeah, it is. But, but I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, I think they've got the budget options of each one. So, yeah. do you have anything to add on that, Jimmy? Um, maybe Hulkenberg, but I don't know if he could manage Haas. To be honest, it depends what the car's like. I don't. I mean, coming back to Formula One, it's a big step. Uh, and I don't know if he'd like to do it in a team like Haas, to be honest. No offence to Haas, but I don't think they're going to be this great this year. Do you reckon that Do you reckon that Grosjean or Magnussen would fancy coming back? I don't think so. Uh, I think they're quite happy in IndyCar, and they've probably got contracts in IndyCar. So unless they can figure out a contract where they do, you know, when they can do it, they do it. And then when they're in IndyCar, they have another driver like Fittipaldi, and potentially, but I don't see them coming back, really. That's fair enough. And that's never really going to work. Well, it, um, all this talk reminds me, if Fittipaldi does get the drive, he'll be the first Brazilian driver since Fittipaldi. It's weird, it's weird how we've sort of not got... Because I remember sort of in like 2009 or whatever, I swear, there were, or like, you know, just after, there were loads of Brazilian drivers on the grid. At one point, I think they had like the most drivers on the grid. And then... We've got none now. Well, who was there? There was Massa, Massa Barrichello. Barrichello. Massa. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure there was another one as well, but I can't can't remember now. PK Nelson PK was about at some point. Mm-hmm. But still, there was there was a lot of Brazilian drivers knocking about, and there now was. and now there's just none. So there we go. We love Brazil, don't we? Although. Uh, from what uh, Matt Gallagher was saying about Drive to Survive, the Brazilian Grand Prix doesn't feature in the first eight episodes, which are the ones that he'd been he's seen. Now, if you don't if you don't make an episode about the Brazilian Grand Prix, then I don't know what you want, Netflix. I really <laughs> don't, because that is pure sporting drama, and I loved it. And I know I'm not the only one. What are they doing if they don't feature Brazil? You'd imagine they're going to uh, have the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix woven somewhere in there, given its importance to the result. Uh, 
Saudi Arabia will probably feature. If they choose to go for Qatar over Brazil, then hmm. that... Uh, uh, I don't know if I could watch any more seasons. I say that. It'll probably, I'll probably find out whether or not there's Brazil involved after I've watched this season. Then I'll be interested by the time the next year comes around. That's <laughs> how they hook me in. <laughs> um, what else has been going on in Formula One, Jimmy? Testing. Who's caught your eye in testing? McLaren. Yeah. They look very good. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It, I, I don't know if they look good or not. It's just they're quite. You know. They've covered quite a few laps, and um, and they seem to have got over this porpoising thing, or it doesn't really affect them very much because the way the floor set up and the the vortices which run off the floor and seal it when at high speed. Um, so yeah, McLaren looked good, Ferrari looked good. Uh, however, their porpoising looks really bad uh, f- from what I've seen from the footage. Um, Mercedes and Red Bull uh, it looks like they haven't really dropped the what, what, what's the saying? Drop the ball. There we go. Haven't really dropped the ball, uh, so it looks like they're they're going to be up there as well. So yeah, looking like a good season. Hopefully, it would be good if all four of them are involved. Now you mentioned a word there, porpoise. Yeah. Do you want to explain what that means? Yeah, it's when you get like that, isn't it? I know it's not very good. For James, I can't see course, you. Yeah. But the yeah. people listening yeah. to this, it's, it's, I'll do technical analysis. Here you go, my technical analysis. Right. So. Um, my technical analysis is that I hate Christian Horner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the second point. The first point is about <laughs> the first point is about porpoising. So, um, when with the Grand Effect cars, when you're going at very high speed, it sucks the underside of the car to the tarmac. Um, it's like a vacuum. Yeah, exactly. A low pressure and all that sort of stuff. I'm not that clever, so I don't know how all that works. But anyway, it's like a vacuum <laughs> that sucks the the cars down when you're going very quickly. Uh, but the problem is the amount of uh, pressure that's going on when you're pulling the car down, it causes the rear to stall and then... What does that mean if it stalls? It doesn't work. Um, <coughs> no, but what doesn't work? The rear diffuser doesn't work. So that causes the back of the car to uh, jump up in the air because it's lost a lot of pressure and then it repeats... So it bounces up and down. Okay, that that's a good analysis. Probably now, not, but yeah. what I heard, yeah. no, no, it, it it made sense. Now I saw. Um, I'm going to give him credit. Damon Hill gave a great uh, description of how this works. I know this is Damon Hill. It's shocking, but <laughs> he if you blow underneath a piece of paper on a table, the way that the paper goes up and down that is what is going on. Um, James has decided to do it now. Yes. And you can do that at home, or probably not when you're walking your dog, uh, or, or whatever else, but if, if you get a piece of paper... And, yeah. It's doing it, it's doing it, he's right. Very good analysis by Damon Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Damon Hill is your hero, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he is. He knows really? what he's talking about from that analogy as well. So well done to him. <laughs> So, yeah, porpoising is going to be a word that comes up, I sense, for the first few races at least, until the teams sort it out. Um, They reckon that Red Bull and Mercedes, they've got quite big upgrades coming at the official test Mm -hmm. in Bahrain in a few days' time. Mr. I don't like tests, Joe. Hello. Um, Yeah, I mean, they probably do. I mean, 
we saw in 2019 Mercedes effectively bring a second car concept to the second test um and yeah they they were much i mean even even once they brought that second car though they still looked miles behind ferrari until q2 in australia which is why i don't like testing i think the only thing that's really important is sort of the lap count you know you don't want to have uh you know any any failures cough cough alpine um cough cough uh has um uh, but still uh for romeo too yeah um Red Bull. Yeah, Red, I mean, Red Bulls wasn't too bad considering they'd already got a very significant number of laps in. You know, F1 cars aren't really designed to drive all day. Um, so the odd failure when they've been driving all day is not too bad. Whereas if you're Haas and Alfa Romeo stuck in the garage after about 10 laps, it's a bit more serious. Um but yeah, I think it's far too early to draw any conclusions. I, I I hope that testing's somewhat representative and we get that four-team battle at the top, but I'm sceptical. Joe's a sceptical man, and that's why he's here, to hold us down to the ground, with us dreamers also here. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, another big piece of news. The world champion, he signed a long-term contract with Red Bull. Um do you think that that's the right move? Yeah, I mean, he's one of the best drivers on the grid. You're going to want to tie him down to your team as long as you can, especially if, um, you know, possibly Mercedes are going to be sniffing around for another driver in the next two, three years. So I think tying who the person who will be certainly in the top two drivers on the grid in that period of time down to your team it's a good strategy isn't it george russell's got to be happy that max verstappen has little chance at least until 2028 i think it is mm-hmm. uh, of, of him uh being replaced by max verstappen there's little chance so george will be happy i did see quite a funny tweet though um uh, because verstappen's on a huge salary now Half of what they're getting from Oracle is the title sponsor of Red Bull, but um, someone said, I don't understand why they're paying Max Verstappen that much money. Toto Wolf is more marketable than Max Verstappen. Mm. Um, and other than Toto Wolf not being an F1 driver, he probably is. I know, I know the Netherlands is quite uh, Max Verstappen crazy, as you'd expect, but... Toto Wolf, like I don't know, he he attracts a huge audience given that he's meant to be in the background, really. But but Christian Horner still attracts quite a, a, a few fans, don't they, Jimmy? Doesn't he, Jimmy? If you say so, if you say so. Um, um, yeah, I mean, it is a loss of money. I mean, that's the upside for the big teams of the cost cap in many ways is that they can pump more money into the drivers and get the the best drivers they can. Um, so obviously it makes sense for Red Bull to tie Verstappen down. Yeah, I don't know if he's as marketable. I, he's definitely not as marketable as somebody as as such as uh, as uh, Lewis Hamilton. But him and Lewis are on the same salary now, by the sounds of it. Yeah, he is actually. Yeah, um, Max Max has got some incredible uh, management to be able to get him on the same salary as a seven-time world champion after just one championship. You've got to give it to them. 
Yeah, I think there are more marketable drivers out there. So Lando Norris, for instance, Daniel Ricciardo, um, probably got more of a um, broader fan base potentially, um, and also they're they're drivers from historically more of a motorsport sort of country. Um, although I'm not too sure. I don't think Netherlands is particularly motorsport crazy. Obviously, they'll love Max Verstappen. Oh, they are uh, now. But they are, they are, are now. now. So yeah. Um, well done for Max for getting a 40 million quid salary. I wouldn't turn it down. Um, but but yeah. Even if even if Christian Horner was your boss. I mean, I might have to stomach <laughs> it. You know, I could stomach it just about. <laughs> oh. um, well, you were just telling us about how rich people they they kind of have to uh, go off the beaten track sometimes. Yeah. To make that money. Indeed. And yeah. And that's exactly what uh, Verstappen's having to do by working with Christian Horner, bless him. Um, how cool was Lewis Hamilton in his coat walking up and down the pit lane? I know you sent me a message, Jimmy. You, you were enchanted by it, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> I really liked it. Um, the fact that he's engaged in it, he's actively looking at different cars. He just was staring, I don't know if he was staring out Red Bull, but he spent quite a lot of time at Red Bull looking at the cars and, yeah it must have annoyed them somewhat because they like to stand at the back of the car when Martin Brundle's trying to explain something on the grid, don't they? So Lewis Hamilton there with all the cameras, I imagine it sort of annoyed them quite a bit. Uh, But it might not do. Um, And what was really nice about, uh, I don't know if they've done this before in testing, but they couldn't have those curtains that they drew across. across. Uh, So you Mm. could actually see the cars, which was nice. Um, and that's another thing you for for this year, isn't it? That uh, teams are going to have to show their cars before an hour before the the weekend gets underway. Don't quote me on this, but I think um, if a team brings an upgrade to the race, it has to. It's like sent out as a bulletin, bulletin, a bulletin to the media and the other teams, so they know exactly what's going on. And I think. Oh, interesting. As, as I said, I think half an hour before the or an hour before the the first session, teams have to make their cars accessible to other teams uh, outside their garage, um, which is another interesting step. So yeah, it's all about leveling the playing field, I think, which is good. Yeah, definitely. Jimmy, is that a baby or a cat crying in the background? It's a cat. Yeah, the cat's making a bit of. A... <laughs> no, don't worry. I was just interested. Um, uh, Drive to Survive, that's coming out soon. I know that you're a big fan of Drive to Survive, Joe. <laughs> um, but it looks like Mazapin features quite heavily in Drive mm-hmm. to Survive. Have they messed it up a bit <laughs> by um, focusing in on a driver? I mean, I don't yeah. think anyone was particularly excited for the Mazapin episode anyway. But yeah, I think certainly now it, um, it's a bit tactless. But still but still um yeah yeah i think they have messed it up a little bit but there we go one or two quotes coming out from drive to survive um two interesting ones one from christian horner apparently he was um he was filmed um telling lewis hamilton that he should shut the f up as Lewis Hamilton was speaking on the podium um, at, at the end of the season, having won his championship, saying something along the lines of, uh, I'm just getting started. Uh, Christian Horner obviously didn't like that and said that he should shut up. <laughs> That's going to add even more fuel to the fire, isn't it, in terms of the, the toxicity between the two fan bases? Yeah, I do think that... Um... 
a lot of the media is stirring up this rivalry. I think Lewis has been quite fair with what he said about Verstappen uh, in the build-up, especially when they launched the car, about how um, Verstappen did what any racing driver would do. I mean, he wanted to win the championship, and it fell in a way that Verstappen was able to win the championship. So obviously you'd take it. You wouldn't, you know, just say, I'm not going to have it because uh, I don't want to win that way. Um, well, you could do, but I doubt many drivers would. I'm more talking about uh, the the rivalry in general, the way that Max pushes that aggression to the limit. Um, yeah, Abu Dhabi was, wasn't about that really, was it? No, no, I was, sorry, mate. I've uh, got the wrong end of this. No, don't be sorry. <laughs> I, no, there's, no, there's no reason to apologise. I'm just focusing us in on that that battle in terms of Verstappen not giving an inch and quite often taking many inches. I understand where you're coming from though. Uh, the idea that this season will have to be a lot uh, a lot better managed and I think with Herbie Blash coming in I think that will that will help out a lot. Um, but we'll have to see. It, in terms of laying down the law. Exactly. We'll have to see because it won't. It might not just be Hamilton and Verstappen this season. It might be Hamilton, Verstappen, Sainz, Ricardo, Leclerc all going at each other. So, um, I noticed you left out Lando Norris. And Lando, of course. Sorry. Um, all all uh, racing against each other. So um, it's going to be interesting how it's all managed. Um, that might almost diffuse the the rivalry a bit so it's not as intense it's spread across more drivers but do do you think that's a good point actually but do you think if the law is really laid down and consistent you can't do this you can do this that might advantage uh hamilton to a certain extent because he knows how far he can push and how far Verstappen can push without Verstappen getting a penalty? Or do you think he's going to still treat him like the back end of a donkey because he knows that Verstappen is erratic? We, we probably have to see. I mean, if the rules are clearly defined, Hamilton's very good at maximising what he can, I think, and he's a very intelligent driver. So he'll do um, whatever's within the law and make sure he sticks to it. Uh, whether Verstappen does that, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, and if he doesn't, he'll have to be penalised. Um, Absolutely. And it's not long left until we'll find that out. Um, just before we go, I want one word from each of you. Which country would you want to see replace Russia in hosting the Grand Prix? Turkey. It's the obvious answer, but yeah. It's Turkey as well, I would have to say. So you're agreed on Turkey. Indeed. There's there's no South Africa in there or I don't know. Um but it needs it needs to be in that neck of the woods, so Turkey would make sense logistically yeah. to be it fair. Goes, yeah. Wouldn't it? Because it's in the middle of a triple header. So we might have a Turkish Grand Prix announced at some point soon. Who knows? What we do know is we're going to find out what the pecking order is looking like. First of all, we'll have a bit of testing in Bahrain. Uh, in well it's next week but we have the first grand prix of the season it's in bahrain it's the 20th of march don't you miss it we won't and we'll be here to talk to you about it then and we might speak to you before then who knows uh it depends what goes on i hope that you have enjoyed our insight uh, a little bit or you might have found some of it interesting at least um, and we're wishing you well hoping that you're safe 
this is Adam saying goodbye. Thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Joe. Um, if you want to listen to any more of the AJ on the Line content, head over to ajontheline.com. Follow me on Instagram, AdamJW44. On Twitter, AJ underscore on the underscore line. And I'm on TikTok too, AJ on the line, all lowercase. And you, and if you liked what you listened to, you can like and share this podcast. Um, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts. Do whatever you have to do to show your appreciation, because we also appreciate you listening to this. Speak to you later.